And welcome back in Stripe Show podcast. Hope you're having a great week post U.S. Open championship. I'm still thinking about it. Of course, Bryson DeChambeau got the win, shot six under. And um, another guy that played pretty darn well and a guy that uh, I've had my eye on for quite some time here over the last couple of years, been following his young career. And I wasn't surprised how well he played uh, at Wingfoot. He's got the modern game. He's got incredible skill. And he joins us here on the podcast after a T6 finish at the U.S. Open and on his way to the next PGA Tour stop. Will Zalatoris, thanks so much for uh, joining me here on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Travis. Well, T6, U.S. Open, you know, that ties the number one player in the world, Dustin Johnson. You guys tied. You got to feel pretty darn good. Yeah, it honestly, it's one of those things where, you know, you talk about it with coaches and talk about it with family of, you know, they say, oh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you do something crazy, you know, like finish top 10 in a major, or win a major, you know, stuff like that. And then obviously for it to happen and have a nice week. I mean, it was, uh, I don't know, it was a lot of, uh, I was very grateful, put it that way. I've had a lot of people help me along the way. So it was kind of uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, give us a little taste and insight just how difficult wing foot play. Yeah, you know, the biggest thing that that made that place so hard, at least in my opinion, <clears throat> was just the fact that the fairways were actually so firm. Mm. Um, you know, they're small, but when you've got fairways that are that firm and that small, and you combine that with the rough, which is just its typical U.S. Open rough, it, it's just you know you feel like you're immediately behind the eight ball, mm-hmm. and it's not a surprise that Bryson won because you know I don't even know the percentages of. Uh, you know, who hit the most fairways this week, but it can't be very high. I mean, if it's around 50%, that's ridiculous. You know, so the fact that the guy who hits it farthest ends up winning, I mean, if you just put two and two together where he's got 140 from the rough and we've got 175 and we're just trying to salvage four and he's maybe gouging out a wedge and knocking on the green, that, yeah, I mean, adds up to a six-shot win. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you brought that up because I was talking about it earlier in the week with uh, Brendan Porath. Bryson hit 41% of his fairways, um, 23 out of 56. The field average was 39. Yeah. Um, To your point, right? I mean, they played that small. I mean, really no one was hitting fairways. So get it down there, bomb it down there. You know a thing or two about that. And you're better off with a nine, eight in your hand versus someone who's further back that's trying to play a six iron out of that rough. I mean, what what were you comfortable with? What club? How much, how little of loft would you have gone down, say, in that stock lie in the rough? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of it's kind of hard to say what a stock lie in the rough was out there. Um, you know, I think the lies where I had to basically gouge something out and I was able to run something up the probably the least amount of loft I'd hit was probably an eight. Okay. Um, but there were some times where I'm deep down on the rough and basically just trying to take what's given to me. And it's like, take out that sand wedge and just swing as hard as you possibly can and give yourself a, you know, basically a, you know, if you hopefully I've got an angle to where I've got about 40, 50 yards of room. Cause if this thing comes out dead, Hopefully it's in the fairway, but if it's not, you know, now all of a sudden you're bringing double it immediately. Mm-hmm. And that's probably going through your mind, right? Like you're trying to eliminate double at that point. You're just like bogey's the worst that you can make. You're really evaluating your risk. I want to get into, you know, the course management. I know you're a big decade guy with Scott Fawcett and I have some questions for you on that, but 
when you get into those difficult situations, like what's going through your mind? You have to evaluate the risk and then bogeys the worst you can make. Would that be accurate? Yeah. That's the thing is, you know, I didn't make a double this past week. Wow. And that's, that's honestly why I think I played well was there were certain situations where you're basically just trying to avoid making six and, you know, like there's even, you know, the final round I'm on number three and I hit a hybrid pretty far or landed a little bit too far up onto the green. It runs all the way up the hill and it's literally sitting. Just imagine like half of a pyramid. It's literally sitting up on top of this pyramid and I've got to hit something that goes straight out sideways, kind of <laughs> flattens out and then it catches a ridge that's about 30 feet long. And if I get this thing going too far left, it can run 30 yards off the front of the green. Wow. And so I'm I'm basically standing there and I'm talking to my caddy, Ryan, and I'm just thinking, you know, we're talking out loud, like, where do we make four? You know, where where's our best chance of making four? And I've got a 60 footer for for birdie. You know, it was an absolutely horrendous position. But, you know, I think that that's, you know, just to your point is don't make six. You know, yeah. Don't make double. If you can walk away with fives out there and be fine. I mean, you know, I shot 74 in the second round and moved up. You know, that that's just how tough this place was. And, you know, if in reality, if you think about, you know, where's your best chance of making five, it's probably your best chance of making four there, too. Yeah, you were 17 of 56 fairways hit. That put you at T54. Um, greens and regulation, you were 53%, put you at T31. Strokes in off the tee were plus 2.5. Strokes in approach, plus 7.9. I mean, that's a, that's a big number there. And then uh, strokes gaining around the green, you were probably plus half a stroke. And then the same with strokes gain putting. So you were positive in all facets of the game, in particularly your approach game. And that's no surprise to me in following you, um, talking to people who know a lot about your game. You know, Will, it's fair to say, like, you have the modern game. You are very long off the tee. You're hitting it on average 315 yards. I mean, that's long, but it's not the longest, as we know, but it's certainly above tour average. And you're a great iron player. I mean, you gobble up people in the strokes gain iron, including uh, this little shot to hit for a hole-in-one on, uh, on the seventh shot. And I got to tell you, Will, you should have had a second. You got <laughs> you got robbed on your second. That ball was not moving that fast when it hit the flag stick. Yeah, I actually didn't even really see it. I thought it was close, but I didn't even realize that it hit the stick until I got done that afternoon and was talking to some guys. So I had I realized that that would have hit the stick, I probably would have given like <laughs> at least some reaction as opposed to just kind of walking about my business, but. It was, uh, I, I was like, oh my goodness, he almost had two in, in one round off curiosity. How many hole-in-ones do you have? I have six. You have six hole-in-ones. Wow. I've had three this year, and I actually did not have my first until I was 22. Okay. Interesting. Three this year. Yeah. Wow. You should have had, you should have had four. And of course that was the <laughs> par three seventh, um, that you, that you ace. And then you turn around and bogey the next hole on the, yeah. <laughs> that's kind I, of how it works, right? You just get, well, yeah. Welcome to, <laughs> welcome to the U S open hit a beautiful tee shot up the middle of the fairway and try to sling a hard wedge in there and lands pin high and chases all the way down off the green. And yeah. next thing you know, where to go. <laughs> Talk about your game a little bit. I talked about the distance. Um, and, and the iron game, your putting style is very reminiscent of, of Webb Simpson, right? You've kind of 
tinkered around with different things. And, and, and right now you're running the putter shaft up the forearm. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly the same as what. Okay. And your team, right? You have, you have two guys, you have a, you have a full swing guy and a short game guy. Is that right? Yeah. Troy Denton for full swing and uh, Josh Gregory for practice and short game. When you were young and you were getting into the game and you knew you loved the game and you were really starting to kind of move it forward for you, how was distance and accuracy presented to you? Was it presented like the same or was it let's learn to hit it hard first or let's learn to get more accuracy first? I'm just curious in your generation, how was that presented to you? Yeah, you know, I grew up in Texas. Um, I was originally born in San Francisco, moved to Dallas when I was nine. And I had always been kind of the sling and draw kid growing up, mainly, you know, for two reasons. One being that obviously in Texas, you get firm ground, that ball is going to run forever. Um, But the other reason is we play in a lot of wind and, you know, that little draw takes all the spin off and, you know, fights the wind better than anything. And really it was just hit it as, you know, as far as you could. And I was fortunate you know, I've been kind of blessed my whole life with speed. And I remember being 12 years old playing in the 15 to 18 year old division in Dallas and being able to compete against guys that were 15 to 18, just because I could hit it kind of in the back edge of how far they hit it. I mean, I was hitting it 260 yards at 12 years old. Um, I think there's a little bit of an added incentive to, to gaining that distance and focusing on distance, I guess, is that i was very comfortable playing with older guys Mm. and you know i've been i was playing junior golf when i was 10 11 12 13 years old with scotty scheffler and jordan spieth and you know scotty and i are the same age but you know jordan won everything i mean absolutely everything when we grew up and so being able to compete against him and you know he set the standard and you know being able to try to hit it as far as he could knock it as close as he could, make as many putts as he could. You know, he was, uh, he was the gold standard. Yeah. When you, when you work on your swing now, the speed is built in, like you don't spray it a lot. I mean, your miss is, you know, reasonable and, you know, you can't be hitting it out of bounds and blasting it in the water two or three times around. So what do you work on to kind of keep things honed in where the miss is minimal and you can manage it? Yeah. This is something that Troy and I have really worked on hard for I guess a couple of years that we've worked together and it even goes back to David Price who's my longtime mentor um, basically been a second father to me um, and I've, to this day I've still you know we still talk golf swing but we've really just focused on honing in my lines you know all the way from the feet hips knees shoulders forearms all my lines I need to make sure that they're steady because especially because when I play in a lot of wind, I move that ball back, I open up my stance, open up my hips. And, you know, I, I tend to thrust my right hip at the ball as my big uh, bad habit. And as opposed to rotating in my posture, and that really just goes back to having these offset weeks that Troy is really built in with me. Mm. And instead of hitting kind of the low piercing, but still has some spin on a cut that I love to hit. You know, we have these offset weeks where put the alignment sticks down and I basically just go out and hit some push draws. So, 
you know, it's old school. Yeah. It really is. I mean, it's nothing, you know, I, I only use track band dominantly whenever I'm working on distance control with the wedges or if I've got a new club in the bag and want to see how it's testing or, mm-hmm. um, or I'm in altitude, but I'm never a guy who's going to be looking at my land angle and all this garbage. I mean, I, that's always, you know, I leave that for the guys when I'm getting fitted. Yeah. I'm only getting fitted when I'm hitting it well. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting-edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs, use of high-density particles, and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls. They are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com slash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast your iron game is world-class. I mean, you are a terrific iron player. What do you like to see the ball do? How do you like to see the ball leave? You know, how do you like to see it move in the air? Is it straight? Is it falling right? Like you like to see with the driver? So the driver, I, I 100% only work it left to right. Okay. okay. Anytime you see me missing something left, it's not me trying to hit a draw. It's just a double cross and irons. I I know Scott always hates this, but I tend to work it both ways, but I do have some laws to working it both ways where, you know, if I've got, you know, a pin on the left side and I'm able to take something less and hammer a draw, I'll go for it just because I can be aggressive with it. Same thing goes for something on the right. If I'm able to take a little bit more club and, you know, choke up on it and put an aggressive swing on it. And that's where, you know, I think, you know, people would say I'm not following decade laws. Well, it's like, well, I'm still picking the same targets that Scott would pick out. Mm-hmm. The only difference is, is I'm just hitting these shots that I know how far they go and I'm giving myself a ton of tolerance. So, you know, like when I made the hole in one on seven, that thing was pulled or 12 feet, you know, and the one on uh, 13 that hit the stick, that thing was pulled probably 30 feet. Okay. Um, but, you know, that's, I tend to, I love hitting that cover cut especially being a Texas kid because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm able to keep the ball down low but keep the spin on it uh, to where I feel like I can go into any flag and be able to hit something low to keep it under the wind but also stop it fast enough. So when you're hitting that cover cut, it's got, you know, it's got some shaft lean. Um, mm-hmm. And then you now have to kind of transfer into short game and you have a different coach. How much are those two in contact and in harmony working on things together? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where I'm really lucky that Troy and Josh both teach out at Merido, and they're both on the road a lot. Um, you know, Josh doesn't teach anything that's crazy off the wall. I mean, the only time that we've ever done anything that's off the wall um, is I just have a bad habit of kind of falling away out of my chips, coming out of my posture, and when the ball gets below my feet, I tend to really come out of it. So, you know, what you'll see me do sometimes is I'll take that right foot back and stagger it back just so I rotate around my left side a little bit better. But everything falls in the same way. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I still do the same chips or same drills with chipping that I kind of do with full swing where, you know, there's some days where we're playing on really tight, you know, grainy Bermuda at home that I'll start getting, you know, 
going toe down and trying to cut across it a little bit. And there's days where we're playing on perfect Poana where I'm kind of opening up and kind of hitting little spinny draws. Mm. So I've always got to try to balance that out. And that's something that, you know, same thing, just having these weeks of offsetting that I think have really kind of helped my consistency over the past couple, or I guess really this past year, just going home and basically kind of almost going into recovery mode from playing three, four weeks in a row. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that third member of your team, uh, decade, Scott Fawcett. I know him um, very well and have talked to him about and, and familiar with um, his system and it's gained popularity really over the last couple of years. And he was very active as you were playing. And he, he made the statement that he guaranteed that you pulled that iron shot when it went in the cup. And sure enough, <laughs> that's the, he, well. He, that's probably because I ended up telling him where I was. Okay. He's, yeah. he's always he's always right. yeah. Now, I mean, it, it, he he definitely he knew where the pin yeah. was. And yeah, he knew what knew the danger. But I just got to give him grief to give him grief. Yeah. give him grief. You know, but it's it's a it's a valid statement because I think the perception is that you know you guys are aiming at every flag, and and maybe some are, but I think the the hidden learning point here is that when you do decade and you follow what you guys are doing, um, you guys are not aiming at every flag. You're, you're giving yourself some tolerance. I believe that's the word that you said, um, into the fat portion of the green. Um, just, just take us through just, if you could, in a cliff notes kind of setting where it's, you know, am I going to attack this flag or not? You know, what, what are some things that you're factoring in that kind of align with decade? Yeah, I, you know, especially playing in a U.S. Open, you've got to know where you can and can't miss it. And on top of that, you've got to know where you can and can't miss it depending on flags. I mean, there's some spots that are perfect for some flags, and there's that same spot could be absolutely miserable the next day. You know, this week we didn't really have a lot of pins that were tucked immediately off of edges with the exception of maybe three or four that were only, you know, three to four paces off an edge, but – you know, the trouble was that much worse around the around the flagstick. So, you know, I would always give myself another couple extra yards on top of what decade was asking just to give myself more chances and get it on the green and two putt. I mean, I'd rather take 50 feet on the green than, you know, seven yards off the green at a U.S. Open all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I basically you know, the entire week was just give myself chances, you know, don't miss fairway or don't miss greens from the middle of the fairway, which I actually did twice and obviously ended up costing me a lot, but just nonstop giving yourself chances, give yourself looks. And, you know, the last day I putted great and made a bunch of 20 footers and ended up having a nice round out of it. When you were playing pre-decade. I mean, you were a great player before that. I mean, you won the U.S. Junior in 2014. You You were at Wake. ACC player of the year in 2017. You've played on Walker cup teams. You know, you've been a very accomplished player. You look at your player those days. And now as you've moved more into this management side, do you feel like that you're a a much more disciplined player now? um, And just kind of understand in the management of risk since joining over with decade. Yeah. You know, Scott actually caddied for me when I won the state AM in the U S junior. And basically at the state AM, we went out for a practice round and he just said, you're literally playing this golf course backwards. <laughs> and for the, for the rest of this week, you're basically going to hit what club I tell you where I tell you to hit it. And from then on out, you know, playing with a lot of really great players and seeing how they think about the game, it mimics a lot of what decade teaches. 
Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I've definitely done a lot better job of managing risk. And I think part of that too is, you know, I think just because I'm picking better targets, I've got easier up and downs and it helps that, you know, I've turned myself into a very good lag putter, you know, and I honestly just right there, I've kind of given you the recipe of why I think I've played well this Mm -hmm. year. And, you know, Harry Higgs says, says it best. He says, how do you shoot 65? You take advantage of all the par fives. You maybe knock one, one, maybe two iron shots close and you make one thirty footer. Well, there you go. You're mm-hmm. seven under right there. Wow. Simple terms, right? Like when you do it, it seems simple, but as a player, like I'm sure when you're executing, you're like, man, I'm just getting really, really disciplined with the way I'm managing my game. You had a, a win. It was working very well for you at uh, TPC Colorado, uh, the championship there at Heron Lakes uh, that in you are a right now a member of the corn Ferry tour. And of course it's such a unique year that the season is now wrapping around into next year, which probably isn't ideal for you, you know, as well as you played, you would be working yourself into the PGA tour, but you played so well at the U S open. Now you're moving yourself onto the next event on the PGA tour. It's Corrales Punta Cana resort and club champion uh, club championship. That's got to be exciting for you to to be in that field, heading down there and, and teeing it up on the PGA Tour again. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, because of being top 10 on the Corn Ferry from this calendar year, gives us four opposite field starts. So, you know, add that in with hopefully a couple more sponsors invites and, you know, keep on plotting away and get special temporary status and don't look back. You're the 76th ranked player in the world now, Will, and you're the favorite according to DraftKings going into this event. Do you know that? <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> hey, I just shows you how great of a player you are and you're ready to be on the PGA tour uh, full time. So you have four opposite field, right? Mm-hmm. Um, events. And then that's going to, so that's going to play out through the fall and you're going to, you're going to manage those and then just kind of see where that takes you. How, how does this look for the fall for you with in managing that? Yeah, well, so the four opposite field starts are actually sprinkled in over next year. So it'd be Puerto Rico, Punta Cana next year, okay. Barbasol and, and Barracuda. I've been, I've written letters to all the tournaments that are coming up this fall that are giving out sponsors exemptions and obviously fingers crossed. I'm, you know, would be able to get my chance of getting my card this fall just so I can plan out and have a full year out there. So we'll see. uh, We'll kind of see how that plans out. But obviously, a lot of things have changed in the last 24 hours of where I was basically going to be, what my plans are going to be for the rest of this year and obviously for the rest of of, uh, yeah, I mean, next year. I mean, I, I think if things are kind of spinning right now, but h- how many times have you, um, have you checked your bank account? Have you, has that been pulled up a couple times since? <laughs> no, I, I actually still don't even know how much I made yesterday. I mean, it's not why I do it. I mean, if anything, it just to give you a little insight of where my mind was at, I was kicking myself for missing out on that top four to, you know, playing all the majors next year, yeah. just because I knew that I made a couple of just really stupid mistakes that you just can't make, but it's obviously still an amazing week and amazing experience and drawing a lot of confidence from it. Yeah. Well, you've played yourself back into next year's U S open. You know that for sure. You've got your, mm-hmm. as you mentioned your four opposite fields you're playing this week. And I have a feeling you're going to be getting a couple more here exemptions. Um, into the fall. I have no doubt about that. All right, let's, let's have some fun here. Yeah. What's the first thing you're going to want to know about this new golf course? Uh, how far or how wide is the first tee shot actually? 
How wide? Yeah, how wide? Okay. It's going to be a hell. Uh, these fairways are going to probably be a lot wider than what you just played. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite drink? Ranch water. What? Yeah, I love it. What? I love how nobody knows what that is. It's a Texas term. It's uh, tequila, soda, and lime. Hold on a second. Let me write this down. Tequila, soda, and lime? Yeah. Ranch water. Ranch water. Never That's even heard what of we it. call it. That's what we call it in Texas. I mean, we've we have a running joke about that with people that aren't that aren't from Texas. It's wow. so funny. I'm gonna try it. <laughs> seafood or steak? Steak. I had to cut out seafood actually. Okay. How do you like it cooked? Medium rare. If you could be an animal, what would you be? Oh god. <laughs> oh. Probably, uh, probably a cheetah just because I think it kind of replicates, yeah, represents my game a little bit and wiry, fast. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I like that. That's that's really good. The cheetah, I might, I might stick. Yeah, there we go. I've got the hair for it. (laughs) That's good. Uh, your favorite scented candle. (laughs) I've never owned a scented candle in my life, (laughs) although I probably need one. Oh, then if you if you've never owned one, we'll, we're gonna we'll, we'll bypass that one. Uh, I'll give you a uh, how about this? I'll give you a uh, um, we're the Millers quote: the anthropology candle cheesy feet. Okay, there you go. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies ever. <laughs> good. I like that. Your favorite golf course? Cal Club. Okay, I, that's where my dad was a member for twenty years, okay. and where I started the game. They play. Your parents play. Both of them. My mom was. Literally playing golf up until about four weeks until she had me. Wow. Credits are over the top swing because of her baby bump. That'll do it. You got to, you got to go around it. It's always my fault. (laughs) Yeah. Pebble beach or TPC sawgrass? Oh, pebble. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Being a barrier kid and absolutely pebble. Yeah. Pebbles. Have you, you've played it. I would imagine. Yeah. I actually got one of my first starts on on tour out there. Well, you survived. Big fan. I have no doubt uh, you'll keep this thing rolling, but T6 at the U.S. Open and now off to uh, Putacana, the uh, Dominican Republic for your next next PGA Tour event. Will Zalatoris, thanks for uh, joining the Stripe Show podcast. 